0: Welcome to Market Sale Grow. I'm your host, Jenziah. And today I have an exciting interview for you. I'm talking to Sarah from Marish Bookkeeping. She is a bookkeeper and does CFO services for creative entrepreneurs who are looking to grow their businesses into more sustainable processes and businesses that serve the quality of goal life that their entrepreneurs have for them. She helps them to focus on the parts of business that they love rather than the accounting. And Sarah helps her clients get organized and embrace the numbers side of their business, combining the data and intuition for ultimate aligned decision making. Sarah is the host of Profits Affogato podcast, where she gives inspiration and actionable tips to make the numbers make sense in your business. So I'm super excited to talk to Sarah. As you probably know, as a listener to this podcast, I love numbers too. So we have that in common. Welcome, Sarah. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Do you want to just jump in, tell people a little bit more about who you are, where you're like from, a little bit about your story, and then we can start chatting more about numbers and money and bookkeeping? Yeah, of
1: course. So I'm Sarah. I'm from Texas, born and raised. I have been a CPA for about 10 years now. I was doing tax for most of my career and then had two babies (laughs) back to back. And that combined with the lockdown, just kind of, you know, tornadoed into a reexamination of my life and my routines and, you know, daily life and the overall picture and what I wanted that to really look like. And at a similar time in which I was finding a gap in how clients were served in public accounting firms, just like the lack of attention that, you know, there's just not the resources to provide. I think that hands-on attention that small business owners can really use. So I kind of started a small bookkeeping business and it's grown from there to bookkeeping and CFO services, which is more of the advisory side of things. And I love working with creative entrepreneurs because I myself have both kind of the analytical and the creative side. And I was also just missing a ton of creativity when I was just working full-time and that's all I was doing. And so building my business has brought that back in as well as I always am a big advocate of having hobbies outside of, of work and business too. So That's kind of the background on where I got to where I am today.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Can you just share a little bit of the story of the name of your business? What, How you came along Marish?
1: Yes, I would love to. So as a Texas girl, I grew up riding horses (laughs) and a mare is a female horse. And when a mare would be acting like kind of moody, like, you know, pinning her ears or swishing her tail, somebody would be like, oh, she's being Marish. (laughs) I was like, well, that's ridiculous. It's basically just saying like, you know, she's having, you know, hormones or emotions or whatever. And so I was like, it it really paralleled into corporate America where women especially are not allowed to show emotion. Really nobody is, but Mm -hmm. especially women and how, you know, emotions are not only like not bad, but they're allowed and normal and part of being a human. And to just bring that all back into business and say like, you're allowed here and accepted whoever you are.
0: It's putting like a positive spin on something that Mm -hmm. seems to have a really negative connotation.
1: Yes, yes, that too. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you. Okay, so (laughs) let's jump in and chat about how overwhelming the numbers can be in your business and some ways to like shift that perspective to bring the power back because knowing your numbers is really, really important.
1: Yeah. So I find a lot of times clients, when they come to me, they've sort of put their head in the sand for a little bit and just kind of avoided their numbers and put it off. And I totally understand why. There's, you know, your money mindset has just a lot of history and like the, your money story that you've grown up with. Everybody has one. Right. And so there could be a lot of kind of baggage attached, especially for a small business owner when your, your finances feel like an extension of your personal finances, when it's like a solo run business. You're making all the decisions. So you can have that kind of fear and judgment, fear of judgment of like getting help and having somebody walk in and help you, which is totally normal. So when people are kind of in that, overcoming that hurdle of like, you know, just logging in and just looking at their finances and doing their bookkeeping, I have a few things to just kind of think through and like run through your head. And like the first one is to just identify what is preventing you. So like what emotion, like we talked about emotions earlier, I'm big on that. And so like, is it actually fear of what you're going to see? Is it shame or embarrassment? Is it just procrastination because you don't want to do the tedious, like actually like doing the work, which I get like, trust me, (laughs) it's it's (laughs) not the most fun thing to do in the world. I know that too. So just like first identifying what it is. And then I don't know, I'm a big advocate for journaling it out and just kind of writing down, just getting it all out of your brain and out of your mental space of, you know, what's preventing you from doing that. And then also remembering that whenever you do log in and look at your numbers, whatever that looks like for you, remember that all you're seeing is digits on a screen. And, you know, this goes in very nicely to what you do too with the ads and like lots of number and data and that too is the numbers are not good or bad. It's the meaning that you attach to them that creates the feelings. And so you could have a hundred business owners in a room and say your bank account has, let's say like $6,000 in it. How do you feel about that? And every single business owner would have a different reaction and a different feeling to that. So just remember that the numbers are just numbers and it's what you attach to them. Jenzea here dropping in to remind
0: you about Monday Minis. These 30-minute strategy sessions are perfect for knocking out one or two marketing or Facebook ad questions that you just can't figure out. Whether we're talking about your audiences or long form content plan, we can get so much done in a focused 30 minutes. So if this sounds like something you want, then head to marketscalegrow.com forward slash Monday minis to book your 30 minute strategy session today. I was listening to a podcast this morning. The whole thing was about getting better at what you do. And she said, Something along the lines of, we're here right now. There's no problem with where you are right now. But if you want to get better at what you're doing, how are you moving forward? It feels like a really good parallel of like, Mm -hmm. that's your bank balance. The money you've spent is the money you've spent. The money you've saved is the money you've saved, whatever those numbers might be. If you think that there's a problem with that or that like you misspent or you missaved or whatever it might be... You still have to just accept where you are and like make that plan to move forward. It feels more powerful of like just accepting and not necessarily attaching that shame or embarrassment or guilt to something that's already happened and you can't really do much about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also not doing it, it might feel easier, but you have that like swirling stress of your looming to-do list and like, oh gosh, I wonder how bad it is kind of feeling, right? Versus when you actually sit down and do it like, yes, it's hard. But then you know what the numbers are. You know what those black and white facts are and you can create a plan for the future.
0: So how often should I be going in? And just for a little bit of context, I'm a solopreneur. I have a VA that I work Mm -hmm. with and some contractors. It's basically just me. And I'm around that six-figure mark. Like I crossed Mm -hmm. six figures last year. So like how often should I be going in and reconciling
1: my accounts, if you will, like putting all those numbers into my spreadsheet? So to do your bookkeeping, I would say at a minimum monthly, I think that's a really good rhythm for a lot of people. If you find yourself getting overwhelmed with like the amount of transactions and the amount of time it takes you, definitely you could go in weekly. I do also like to recommend a weekly, just kind of quick check in and just see like where the bank accounts are, see where you are in your budget. That's a big piece of it too. And, you know, if you need to adjust any plans for the next, you know, for the rest of the month or whatever. But definitely doing your bookkeeping at least monthly will make it just like so much getting on that rhythm and to avoid kind of that tax season rush of, oh my (laughs) gosh, it's April 1st and I have nothing." nothing. Or just like, you know, even doing all of it at the end of the year, like doing it monthly. And then you also have that data there to see what your profit or loss is. Profit margin is a great calculation to run every month, which is just your net profit divided by your total revenue. And that tells you how many cents of every dollar of revenue that you're keeping as profit. So if you had $10,000 of revenue, $5,000 of expenses, that's a 50% profit margin. So for every dollar revenue that's coming in, you're keeping 50 cents. So that's a really cool metric to track over time and just kind of watch it go up and down and kind of like, you can set little goals like, you know, I want to round up, you know, get to the next 10% or whatever, you know, like up to 70% or up to 80% and watch that over time. So, um, what are, because
0: we're recording this the beginning of March, and it's probably going to go out end of April, which is like end of tax season, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, here's the other piece of important information. I'm in Canada, so I know things are slightly different here. Yes. <laughs> um, But most of my listeners are American. So end of tax season is the end of April, right?
1: Yeah, it's April 15th. So the end okay, of April, so, mm-hmm. so
0: yeah, what are some things... But like now as we're like starting to ramp up for it that people who will be listening to this just after tax season should be doing so that next year besides doing their books every month what else can you be doing just to make sure that you're on track for taxes like starting right away
1: yeah so definitely make sure you're getting systems implemented and definitely look back to how this tax season went and if it was, if it was stressful for any reason, kind of dig into why that was and what could be what could make that easier in the future. Definitely create if you don't already have one, like at a receipt management system. So whether it's saving all of your receipts to like a Dropbox folder or you know, just like labeling them in your email inbox, just making sure they're somewhere that if you needed to pull them for an audit, you can. And how long should you keep those for? Oh gosh. I think that the requirement is seven years. But don't hold me to that.
0: Seven years is really swirling yeah. in my head too, but yeah. yeah, I have this fear of deleting
1: anything like that. <laughs> right.
0: I'm sure, in like 2055, I'll still have my 2020 receipts. <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the bookkeeping monthly system. Also, just something good to kind of keep in mind is what is actually deductible on your tax return, because that can impact decisions throughout the year as you're running your business. So kind of getting some education around that and what isn't, what isn't deductible so that you know what expenses to put on your business credit cards, what expenses are personal and, you know, shouldn't cross that threshold at all.
0: Is that something that's determined state by state or US wide? Like, how does that happen?
1: So for the US, it's federal. So it's based on all, you know, the entire country. Every state, of course, does have their own tax system too. And so some things that are deductible for federal may or may not be for your specific state, and it varies by state. And just
0: if there are Canadian people listening, which I'm sure there are, I'm fairly confident that's the same in Canada, that it is a federal system. Though I don't think it varies province by province. I've never heard that before, but it I'm fairly confident that it is Canada wide for, for deductions <laughs> too. But again, do not hold me to that. I am absolutely not a tax professional in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. So yeah.
1: And this whole episode is for you know informational purposes only. Definitely consult. Disclaimer, disclaimer,
0: disclaimer. Oh my goodness. Should we really actually be as afraid of taxes and the IRS or CRA as we are?
1: Probably not. No. Everybody is like, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I'm gonna go to jail. Like the chances of that are super, super, super small.
0: What might happen like if you don't realize you're doing like if you're exactly yeah. If if you're intentionally defrauding the government, have that fear, sure. But if you're just like an everyday human who (laughs) deducts their airplane
1: trip when they probably shouldn't have, the likelihood of you going to the jail for that is like very slim, right? Right. Yeah. What will happen is if you get audited, they'll look at everything and they might adjust your tax return. So they might say, you know, you deducted these things that shouldn't have been deducted. So we're going to adjust the amount of tax that was due, which, you know, will result in interest and penalties because you're paying that tax after it was due, right? A couple of years or whatever. But really, I mean, yeah, there's. No need to panic. <laughs> so instead of spending like just
0: for easy calculations or whatever, instead mm-hmm. of it being like, oh, you owed an extra thousand dollars in taxes because of interest and in penalties, now it's like mm-hmm. an extra two twenty five hundred. Yeah, whatever. That's and like
1: it, probably way more than it would even increase. But too, like, but yeah, <laughs>
0: but like that's that's the the real actual yes imp- implications is you owed a thousand. Now mm-hmm. it's fifteen hundred because you didn't yeah. pay the tax, and so there's the interest and penalties, so it's increased.
1: Not exactly. You didn't pay a thousand dollars now you're going to jail. Yeah, or we're taking your house or something crazy like that. Like, no, <laughs> you'll just, oh, some more.
0: <laughs> Again, disclaimer, if you are intentionally defrauding the government, right. they may throw That's you to jail or take your house. Please don't do those things. <laughs> Correct. Oh my gosh. There's one more person with like, geez me. Okay, so we don't need to be afraid of the government. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about the whole DIY piece. Mm-hmm. And- what does that really look like? And when do you know, like, it's time? Mm-hmm. Is there like a point when you stop DIYing and you hire someone, or is it completely variable in your business? Like, can you speak a little bit more to that?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of factors. So I'll go into kind of like when I think is the right time to switch, and then i will talk about a little bit about like tips for DIY. So I think. When it's the right time for you to hire out your bookkeeping depends a lot on you as a person, on your schedule, how much time you have, on how much you enjoy doing your bookkeeping, you know, how much you enjoy spreadsheets or whatever your system is. Some people, you know, are just like, I just don't want to touch it. I just, you know, want it completely off my hands. And and it's it's kind of like one of those things where like it's any part of your business, right? If you're gonna create a website, how much do you want to spend on like learning how to you know, it's not HTML very much anymore. Usually they're like no code softwares, but how much do you want to you know invest time-wise into researching that versus somebody else who could do it better, faster, <laughs> and more accurately? So those are kind of the, the three things that I would factor into when it's the right time for you. If you're enjoying it and you actually okay, that's the third one. If you're getting it done, <laughs> great. If you're, if you're, you're actually not, doing it. <laughs> yeah. If you just say you're going to do it but you know month by month rolls around and then it's been 6 months, it's probably maybe the time for you to think about getting that off your plate. And then the tips for actually doing it yourself. I actually don't usually recommend accounting softwares like QuickBooks for people who are doing it themselves that don't have accounting knowledge just because QuickBooks makes a lot of assumptions and Does things behind the scenes that you might not realize, you know, some, some things as simple as like duplicating transactions, other things, you know, involving the owner's equity accounts and just stuff that gets a little bit dicey. So for solo owned businesses where there's only one, you know, there's not multiple partners or anything, a spreadsheet is often the best way to go. And it's just, it's simple. You can track your income, your expenses. You can calculate your profit or loss. And again, the profit margin. You can put in a formula in there. And I have a template on my website that does this for you that shows you, you know, you type in like 25% and it shows you how much you should be setting aside every month for estimated taxes. And of course that's a US based estimation. Canada is probably different.
0: No 25% is what I've been told too. About that
1: too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And that also just like reminds you to do that month over month. And so again, you don't get that tax season crunch of not only do I have to do all this work, but oh yeah, I forgot to set aside money. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Now this is all going to be different, but I am to the point now where I'm 99% sure I'll be owing quarterly taxes, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about, not having to hold on to the the money <laughs> in my account for 12 months. I only have year, to hold yeah. it for 3 months. I don't know <laughs> if everyone's excited about paying the government money early, but I am because it's a lot of, it's a lot of money that just like can have to accrue in the account and like sit there and do nothing. You're like, but I could get this, like join this mastermind or I could buy <laughs> this, like all these things, you're like, no, that is tax money. So I'm really excited to not have to manage it anymore. Um, yes, that is that exciting. the same? Is there's a point where you hit that you're required to pay quarterly taxes in the states as well, or is it by choice? Like, how does it work?
1: I believe it's when you owe a thousand dollars in taxes, they're required to go through quarterly. But it also depends, you know, very much on your holistic tax situation. So if you're married and you have a partner who has withholding out of their paycheck, you know, that kind of factors into it too. So. Or a lot of things that can go into that,
0: right? Because in the states, when you're married, you can file as a couple, right? Mm-hmm, yes, you can't do that in Canada. We can. That's so interesting. Our taxes are completely separate, but like we can uh-huh. file at the same time. We file as spouses, but they're completely separate. And so, if last year he got money and I owed money, mm-hmm. and I had to pay that entire amount, and he got that entire amount, they didn't like factor it together,
1: kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it
0: it is. It's very, (laughs) that's one big difference I know about Mm -hmm. Canada's filing as a spouse is different than here than it is there.
1: Yeah. And here, there's very rare circumstances when it makes sense to do married filing separately. Like almost all of the credits and deductions are always favorable for married filing jointly. Hmm. Anyway, sorry, back to (laughs) bookkeeping tips for DIYing. (laughs) Spreadsheet is enough. And then I guess the other distinction I would want to make is that so bookkeeping is always looking backwards it's always recording what's already happened for the month or the year or whatever. So another important piece of managing your finances is looking at cash flow what we call cash flow forecasting. So just looking at the future and making a plan for the money that's going to come in and setting those budgets and just kind of tracking where that's going. So that's another important piece of kind of managing the finances holistically is not only looking back at what happened, but using that as a springboard for the forecasting, but making sure that, you know, the the money is there when it's ready to go, whether it's to, you know, for payroll or contractors or credit cards or, you know, whatever. And then another piece too, is to kind of build up that cash buffer too. So having a recommended like at least three months of operating expenses in your bank account to just kind of, have it there to, to cushion everything so you're not having to watch cash by the penny necessarily. <laughs> and also, you know, it, it's a good indicator to where if for whatever reason sales were to stop today, you would still have 3 months to kind of, you know, build that back up and what whatever that would look like for your business.
0: And now that I have a VA, now she is technically a contractor, but now that I have a VA that I'm working with, I have this this feeling of needing to make sure, especially for her, like that her Mm -hmm. money is available that I'm not like, it's one thing if I have to cut my own paycheck or, you know, something else, but I feel that I'm contributing to somebody else. And so that like really hit home because that's something that I've been really not struggling with, but just like thinking about a lot recently of Mm -hmm. like other people are dependent on me and I don't want to like, let them down if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's too, where it becomes so important to do your bookie thing, and so look at your profit because it's not what you bring in that matters. It's what you have left over. And you know, like to to put it bluntly, if you're operating at a loss, you're paying money to be in business. And you know, which is just not sustainable.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit like it hits home. At the beginning, too, like I know there are businesses, and I feel like more so brick and mortar businesses mm-hmm. that, you know, you pay the rent and furnish the place and all of that other thing that operating at a loss initially. Mm-hmm. is a normal part of business, but I don't feel like that operating at a loss initially for an online business is the same necessarily. I feel like because we don't have the same overhead costs, it can be easier right. to have those higher profit margins right from the beginning.
1: Yeah. We're very fortunate in the online business industry with how how lean we're able to run businesses. Mm-hmm. Which is hard sometimes because there's a lot of shiny objects out there, when <laughs> masterminds and you know retreats and things. You're like, oh, so yeah, it can be tricky. But it is very nice to not have all that rent and even as much like labor. And we can do so much by contractors too versus employees, which is another important distinction to make sure that when you hire somebody,
0: mm-hmm. um, the
1: IRS has rules about who can be considered a contractor and who has to be considered a part time employee. So. Something to keep in mind too, and just to bring questions to your tax advisor as you're going through these decisions of running your business. Yes, absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for being here. If people want to find you, you do have a freebie for us. Can you talk a little bit about what it is and
1: when we download it, what we'll get? Yeah. So it's called the write off worksheet. And like I was mentioning earlier, this is just a really good checklist of 20 tax deductions that you should know about as you're going through your business day to day. And so that you know what's deductible and what isn't, and you can use that kind of to factor in your decision making. So yeah, I'll give you that link. And when you download it, you'll get your checklist of 20 deductions. And it's also a great thing to if you have a tax preparer to bring to them and say, Oh, like, what about this home office deduction, for example, you know, what do I need to be tracking for that and great springboard for looking into those.
0: And if you're Canadian and you're listening to this, it is slightly different. So feel free to send me a DM. I have a couple of like Canadian resources that I can send you the links to. But like, again, if you're American,
1: then this is probably the best one for you. So thank you so much. Where can people find you? Yeah. So I'm mostly on Instagram at Marish Bookkeeping. And I have my podcast, Profits Affogato, which is on pause right now, but there are about 30 episodes. If anybody wants to dive into episodes like, um, you know, what business owners need to know about sales tax and just little things like that, where I kind of dive into what you need to know about the accounting side of your business.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of market scale grow. I'm so thankful that you've taken some time out of your busy schedule to make me part of your journey. If you love this podcast, don't forget to share it with your friends and then head to your favorite podcast app to subscribe so that you won't miss next week's episode or any of the upcoming ones. And if you loved it, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other people can find this podcast and we can impact teachers and teacher business owners around the world. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back in your ears next week with another Saturday Strategy Session.